Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another delayed edition of At The Buzzer little weekend review, weekend preview action for you. This is your co-host, Jack Barsh, as usual. And over there, a little farther this time, is our other co-host, Sam Tivier. Sam, where Hello. are you right now in the world? Well, at the moment, I'm in Bratislava, Slovakia. <laughs> but by the time this publishes, I'll be in Budapest, hung- Hungary, which I'm excited for. He's just so. getting as far away as possible. Yes, me I keep and going east. And I keep getting... <laughs> Buses that are terrible and confusing and then getting dropped off in the middle of nowhere and not knowing where I am. I mean, it sounds like you know where you are now. So you didn't die and you somehow got to where you're supposed to go. Yeah, it was uh, difficult getting here. We went to Salzburg, Austria. So I'm going to be in southern Germany for the next two-ish weeks. And we got stranded in the middle of nowhere in outside Salzburg, Austria, which is a gorgeous city. So, it is very pretty. Yeah. So, so this, is, this episode is going to have a little international flavor and we can now mm-hmm. say that we're an international podcast. Oh. Um, and because of the delay, we're going to look back on everything we've missed, which is actually a lot, um, mm-hmm. thankfully. And then we're also going to look ahead to everything we're about to see, which is thankfully also a lot. Yeah, um, and also... Uh, just because of scheduling issues, this is kind of stupid that we're doing this podcast because we're going to talk about CU basketball. And then later tonight, they have a game and this will publish after that game. So it could be completely well, irrelevant. Let's see. Let's see if we get, let's see if we can push it and beat it. Beat the buzzer. Ha ha ha. Ha um, So let's start with football. Um, since we last spoke, 
CU has been on a two-game winning streak, so we apologize for breaking that streak. And I'm assuming we're the only reason that CU was going to lose the next game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have watched neither game. <laughs> so I guess I'll take the lead on this. Um, three weeks prior, CU beat Stanford 16-13 uh, at home on one of the largest recruiting weekends in the last 10 years, 15 years, thankfully. That was, yeah, that had to be one of the biggest recruiting weeks we've ever seen also because that week we had the, the transfer of Anthony Alfano. Antonio Alfano, yeah. And Antonio Alfano and uh, the commitments from CU basketball players as well. Yes, well, and, and um, basically the stage is set for the rest of the class due to that weekend. Um, so a lot of high-profile visitors in, in town. All of them, or I think most of the expected commits have already committed from that weekend. So if you uh, want to know more, you can obviously head over to Ralph Report. We have an article up on each of them. But um, Jordan Berry was a big get coming out of that weekend. Obviously, Antonio Alfano was that um, week before, and that was another huge... And he was the five-star from Alabama. Yes. Yep. The Christian Gonzalez flip, um, the safety from Texas, is going to play right away. I'm in love with his game. And he's a four-star safety. And he's also... Yes, he's a four-star safety. Um, And someone commented on your post saying, "Uh, I don't think Christian Gonzalez is going to start because Darian Rakestraw is there. And it's like, yeah, well, Rakestraw will be a senior next year. Yeah, Rakestraw will be a senior next year. So Gonzalez will be presumed future starter. Well, they're both going to play, but I I don't know. I just love Christian Gonzalez's game. So anyways, uh, Stanford was great for the program. A walk-off field goal from Evan Price, obviously exciting. Um, Great crowd again, which is unbelievable, Um, given that the team was, what was it? It was three and six, I think, at the time. but the whole the whole stadium was full. The recruits enjoy the time. Beautiful November day. Walk off field goal. I mean, kind of a boring game, but um, that's the type of game that Mel Tucker wants to be able to win. Physical football won the game. And so now lead into Washington. Speaking of physical football, um, <laughs> CU used a nice bye week to heal up a little bit. Um, they got Delrick Abrams back from a pretty nasty injury um just in time to face washington and their newly crowned um quarterback jacob eason this is a, this was a somehow a espn proper primetime or not primetime but espn proper game uh, at 8 p.m so it was freezing because it's late november in colorado um, it was freezing oh yeah it was very cold it was wasn't i would it, guess in the 20s 60s over the weekend well yeah, but it's once again, it's late November in, in Colorado, and the the sun was gone, so oh. it was dark. Um, it was cold, and uh, Dude, none of that middle, In Central Europe, the sun goes down at like 3.30. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. kind of. It's, it makes sense. They're, way, they're farther north. Yeah. I, don't I know. was in Denmark last year during the solstice, and it got dark at like 2.45. Sounds good, though. Freaky, but you're also in Denmark, so yeah, it was also a lovely time. I know that's what I'm saying. (laughs) I love Denmark so much. I have no transition from Denmark to Washington, so I'm just gonna move along. Um, Stephen Meyer, senior day. uh, Ralphie Five also retired in this break that we had. Um, So Ralphie Five was honored with some sweet. Oh, man, those helmets were nice with the giant Roman numeral five on the helmets. I was going to talk about that later. Okay. 
We still yep. can. Um, and Stephen Montez obviously playing his last game in Folsom as well as Delrick Abrams and Davion Taylor. And really all of them had uh, great games. CU started out real strong on defense, um, blanked Washington in the first half. Um, and sacked Jacob Eason five times, which I don't know where that came from, but thank God it's it's coming out. Tyson Summers is called a great game. Um, Mark Perry got two sacks. Terrence Lane oh, got a sack. Yeah. Davion Taylor got a sack. And ooh, Alex Changum. And no, Carson Wells. Carson Wells got the okay. sack. Mark Perry was fantastic as a pass rusher against USC. And this is so exciting that he's yeah. just like being used as a blitzer. He is he is essentially half of what Cheeto Bewuzier is now, which is great for, for a freshman. He is unbelievable coming onto the ball. Um I mean Davion uh, Taylor is an NFL player right now and he's playing for CU. He is currently could play on an NFL team. Um, yeah, and he is be, so I don't good. think people realize this, that he's the best defensive prospect on the on the defense. Well, it's it, – I don't know when – probably about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, the light bulb came on, and um, he's not thinking anymore, which means he can just use his speed. Um, and his speed is insane. He, he beat – Avon, uh, Savon Ahmed, I think is, I don't know how to say his first name, but Washington's running back to the edge multiple times that game. Um, and he is flying around. Yeah. I saw those on the, the highlights I watched. Yeah. He, and he just lets the defense basically play sound assignment football because they know they have the best security blanket in the world, um, around them. So he played wonderful. Steven Montez had a gutty Wait, performance. Wait, who would the best security blanket be? Would it be Landman? No, I'm, I'm Davion Taylor. It basically, oh, okay. Sorry. Lam- Landman gets to um, read the play, pop the running back early. You know, all uh, none of the running back linebackers need to worry about anything other than the one on one because they know mm-hmm. that Davion Taylor can basically Troy Polamalu it and fix any mistakes. Oh, hell yeah, that's great. Um, so that's, Montez that's had like, a gutty performance as well. So. so Taylor doing that, the cleanup role, that's basically what the star position is supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Ideally. Well, basically, yeah, you need to have someone who's fast enough to play at the line of scrimmage and beat people to the edge and big enough to shed blocks, um, still cover tight ends well, and um, I guess patrol the middle of the field. And he can yeah. somehow – he's doing both pretty well. And um, how is that different than the buff backer spot again? Well, the buffbacker spot was a little bit smaller. It's the same basic responsibility, but it's a different mm-hmm. defensive scheme as well. This is a different 3-4 than what we were running. Um, so there's more coverage responsibilities um, associated with the star, especially when it's um, like the third down special packages, which is a lot of what CU was running against Washington. So basically CU did a great job forcing him to third and long often and then would do a wholesale substitution – to a um, pass rushing, like disguised package. So there's be one or two down linemen. Um, and then the rest would just be a bunch of athletes. So Mark Perry, Davion Taylor, Nate Lamon, uh, Carson Wells, and uh, New Matufalo. And um, some would drop back in coverage, some wouldn't. And Washington really never figured out who was rushing and who was staying uh, in coverage. And that just led to a bunch of confusion and a lot of sacks. Oh, man. I mean, it was a great call by Tyson Summers. He had a great defensive game. It helps that he probably schemed against Jacob Eason in practice for two years when they are both at Georgia. Mm. Um, That's a nice weakness. Some of his weaknesses. I was playing high school baseball, and 
we we had this pitching coach, and then he was later the coach of Boulder High, and then we played Boulder High, and then he knew all of our swings, and right. then his his pitcher threw a no hitter against us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Like so it's yeah, Except exactly. When you know the weaknesses, baseball. when you know the weaknesses that well, it's very easy to you get scheme for that. Um. So they they schemed well. Um. Steven Montez had a great gutty performance. He ran hard. I I think that was one of the best running games he's had. Um. And he ran early, which is always good to see. He had some really nice throws, and even after he just killed his uh ribs i don't know how on earth he came back out after that he threw second and 17 game on the line four minutes left through an absolute dove a floater to dimitri stanley on the money always saw that converted and then he threw another bullet to stanley to really finish off the game um, was that with like two and a half minutes left yeah just about on like the 15 yard more. line on third and 16 yeah yeah. Nice. He uh, he just is Dimitri. Hey, is, I have a question. <laughs> Sorry, I am fully unhinged. I'm tired, wearing a sweater, wearing a neck pillow, yep. and I'm about to take a bite of a chocolate bar. Okay. Um, I'm gonna mute my mic once I take the bite. Um, but is Dimitri Stanley the 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 future number one receiver? That's a good question, actually. Um. I would say yes. I think Daniel Arias is also has a shot at that, though he's been quieter than I expected this year. As you know, I've always had a love of Maurice Bell's game. I just love how smooth he is, and he also hasn't contributed much. But, you know, the depth shot of wide receiver is so ridiculous. I don't think that's an indictment on any of those players. So I would say Stanley has a good shot. Uh, he's also just a f- smooth athlete, and he gets open often. Great hands. Um, Katie Nixon, obviously, is coming back next year, hopefully. So that will probably be your slot at number one for good reason. But Stanley definitely has – he's, he's going to make an impact. Especially and and once he gets more comfortable in the punt return role, he's going to do well there too. I think Stanley is like my ideal type of receiver that I that I personally like just like a lot. It's just the 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 guy who's a little bit smaller, kind of knows how to just just knows how to get open, find soft spots. The Hunter Renfro. No, 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 no. Much more athletic. With after the catch, I was about Hunter to say. Hunter Renfro with, is athletic. Okay. <laughs> well. He just doesn't have game-breaking speed. He's also bald. I don't want my receiver to be bald. Okay. Get to sussing this out. So not a Tim Dwight fan. Not a Darren Shiverini fan. Oh, no, no, no. Darren Shiverini is like 39. He's fine. He also He's rocks. bald when he played. Oh, was he? Yeah, but he, he played a skull. He did a skull cap. He popped oh, a skull cap. See, he's so cool. Shiver's cool. <laughs> Hunter Renfro is balding and is trying to keep his hair. And it looks oh, horrible. Like Alex Caruso. No, Alex Caruso is so ugly that it's great. Well, Dimitri Stanley's not ugly or bald. Um, so yeah. I guess he, he fits your, your keys yeah. to a T. I need, um, I need, you don't understand this. I need my best players to be handsome. I absolutely understand that. Yeah. Also, holy hell, I'm watching a the Wyoming CU game right now, which is kind of why I'm not paying attention to you. And cool. uh, there was a player in Wyoming who looked a lot like you, but with red hair instead of blonde brown hair. Um, I take that as a compliment, and I prefer well, dirty blonde. You did not see the player, so. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just to finish up Washington senior day honoring Ralphie. It was great to get a huge upset win. Um, they Washington ended up as I think I don't know sixteen point favorite something around there, and um, 
to unseat that was a huge, it was a great, I guess, vote of confidence for Mel Tucker. That, that is what a Mel Tucker team is going to be. It was physical. We ran the ball for 170 more yards than they ran the ball. Um, we dominated oh, the line of scrimmages. Jalen Sammy was unbelievable in that game. He, um, he saved the game on a punt return tackle saving touchdown. He was disruptive all day inside. And um, I don't know. I also love the fact that we rushed the field because good. We should rush the field. Wait, we, we rushed the field against a yeah. team that's going to go like six and six. It doesn't matter. It's senior day. <laughs> CU won. Rush the field. Rush the field after CU loses. I do not care. Always rush. Oh. We've rushed the field in, I think, maybe 40% of our wins the past seven years. Uh, as we should. I appreciate that. <laughs> Always rush the um, field. Okay, what's your – you're at the buzzer and after the buzzer for football. This is where something's good when we're at the buzzer or, or before the buzzer or and after the buzzer. Yep. So before the buzzer, my uh, taking into account everything since we last recorded will be Alex Fontenot. Um, that guy is – God, what I he's always been he was solid all year, but he has taken it to another level. I am so impressed. Every time he runs, he always falls forward. He gets yards, he does not have any business getting. Um and he sealed both games with his hard running. He just always finds four or five yards where there isn't any big find. Um and he he doesn't have like breakaway speed, but he always he gets chunks consistently. And I I love running backs like that. What a great I figured it'd be more of a running back by committee this year, um, but I think he's taking the reins. Well, rightfully so. He's just so just solid all game. And he sledgehammered Washington into submission um, in, the, in the fourth quarter. Just came alive. Same with Stanford. Um, just ran over dudes, ran around dudes, did everything we needed to uh, steal the win. Okay, and you're – after the buzzer, or do you want me to do? Oh, I'll do my before the buzzer. Now you do, yeah. Okay. Uh, also, Fontenot's at 825 rushing yards on the year. He won't get to 1,000, but which is too bad because that breaks Darren Hagen's streak. Um, mm-hmm. But that's He's still at 945 is. yards of scrimmage, though. Okay. Well, we can fudge the numbers and make that count. LaVisca Chanel surpassed Tony Brown as the leading receiver. <laughs> Which, holy God, that catch. Against oh, my Washington. God. We don't talk enough about him. We just take him for granted sometimes. His last game in Folsom as well. Um, uh, all right, you're before the buzzer. You're good. Um, well, I was going to say the helmet. Oh, yeah. So you have the, the, the Ralphie logo on the right side and then the Roman numeral five on the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and CU hasn't experimented with, like, new helmet logos in, like, well, besides the Wyoming throwback or the the 1924 throwback uniforms they wore against the Wyoming in like 2009, um, uh, it seems like you're also missing the helmets that Mel Tucker put on for the USC USC game. I was about to say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I realize I sound a little bit drunk, but I don't drink. So, for the viewers, I'm not tired podcasting drunk. drunk. Um, yeah. It's also only 8 o'clock, and I'm just a little... Hey, man, you put me on a bus to Slovakia. I will also sound like that. Well, I woke up in Slovakia. I'm just (laughs) tired. Okay. Um, Anyway, uh, so the helmets they wore against USC, where they had the different picture of Ralphie, the one, the throwback logo that they've been trying to market for a little while that hasn't caught traction, but it will catch traction after this because it was great. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But before those two, like before Mel Tucker, they never experimented with the helmets other than the color. Mm. And once after, like they tried experimenting with the color of the helmets for a little while. And after a while, it just didn't look good. Um, so I uh, think like like the black helmet with the CU logo, I don't like it very much. The white helmet, not good. The silver um, helmet is okay. I like the, I don't know. I like the silver helmet. I like the... I don't like black helmet, white logo. I like black chrome logo. I love it when they do the chrome logos. Yeah, that one's fine. But like, I just like the creativity to use different logos. Because like, CU has the best helmet, like the best color. But the the, the CU Ralphie logo, mm-hmm. sometimes like it looks like it can use some life, I guess. Well, the, the, adding that throwback logo sometimes will be great. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, now we're doing a snake draft. You're after the buzzer. You're not good. Uh, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> what was he? Oh, okay. Well, no, you use yours first. Mine's a little bit ridiculous. Okay, well, mine is uh, the most obvious not good thing about the football team right now, which is the red zone scoring offense. Um, I believe ESPN put up a stat that CU is 127th in the country in TD percentage in the red zone. Um, and that got worse after the Washington win somehow. So I believe CU has scored touchdowns now on nine out of 19 red zone trips, um, which is bad. Total? Yes. Um, total? Yes. And That's not they, true. They could not have had only – wait, did you say nine out of 19? Mm-hmm. There's no way they've only had 19 red zone I chances. I sounds about right. In 11 games? It sounds about right. In 11 games? They scored yeah. like 40-something in CSU. Yeah, but a lot of those were outside the red zone. Mm, I think you're so, a liar. Um, anyways, it happened again in Washington. Two times, so you got first and goal within the 10-yard line. And somehow both times they kicked a field goal. Um, a lot of it is just some for some reason false starts intensify in the in, within the ten yard line. Offensive line makes us go backwards a few times, um, and for, also for some reason Steve Montez just forgets some of the decisions he's made to get to the ten yard line. He throws passes he shouldn't. Um, he makes reads that if he waits a, a beat longer turn into touchdowns. Um, and I don't know. It's for something happens where a mixture between Montez and the offensive line takes us backwards and doesn't. I feel like if CU just ran the ball four times, they'd score more often than they are right now. But regardless, um, CU just needs to. If they scored more touchdowns, um, surprise, surprise, they'd probably be in more games and win more games. I did that's, see that drive. That's my hot take. When it was like three zero or something, CU had like three different first and goals after mm-hmm. penalties and they still didn't score a touchdown. That was hilarious. Yes. Yeah, so you had a first and goal from the two yard line and kicked a field goal. That is a true fact. Um, and that was their third first and goal of the drive. Yep. It's, it's a trend at this point. Um, something, I don't know if I, how much I blame Jay Johnson for that. Some of the play calls are interesting to me, but it's also, he doesn't tell the offensive line to go backwards, and he also doesn't tell Steven Montez to throw to a cover Katie Nixon when Tony Brown is standing in the end zone. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Which is ironic that Katie Nixon is your red zone target to just get lock-eyed on because he's five foot five. To be fair, he did sk- uh, score two wide-open yes, yes. touchdowns against USC. But Yeah, I know, on rub routes, but that's not the same thing. Right. So you go ahead with your, your uh, after the buzzer. 
Mine is losing to USC, Arizona, and Air Force <laughs> earlier this season. Because oh, if, you, if you went before the season and said CU is going to beat Washington, they're going to beat Arizona State on the road, and they're going to beat Nebraska, then you would have thought, oh, this team is for sure going to a bowl. But CU dropped – uh, what? Well, they won CSU, which was their most winnable game, and then they dropped like Arizona at home was the second easiest game on the schedule. Air Force was probably the third easiest game. They dropped both of those. Mm-hmm. USC. Well, is to bad. be fair, Air Force is going to be a ten-win team this year. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. But it, it still was a blocked extra point or a missed extra point away from a win for CU. Blocked. Blocked. Um and. Honestly, our Steven Montes had the worst game of his, on, probably his career that game that day, which was bad. Really, I feel like he's had worse. And you're right. Season. The Cal game last year was pretty awful. Um, I watched that game because I was smart. So, I mean, God, that Arizona loss just stings because if you stop Khalil Tate one time, that game is over. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah, USC, the USC, if you fall on one fumble, you cause two fumbles. Just fall on me, one of them. It's not going. It's not. It's being on third and six or second and six, and then passing, then passing, yep. and then punting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. However, I'm going to cut myself off and just say we should have won one of those games. But also, we're 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 five and six. We and we're yeah we're in striking distance for a bowl. Will we get one? Yeah. Probably not. But we are no, there. We're going to get trashed by Utah. But all those <laughs> games are close, and it's usually fifty fifty. And it would be very Pac twelve. For them to have a playoff contender and for that playoff contender to lose to a 5-16. and 16. It'd also be very Pac-12 for everyone to basically make way if, if CU beats Utah. That means USC wins the division and Clay Helton keeps his job. Oh, which we – do we kind of we want, want those for We do jokes? want. We absolutely want. Um, yeah, I want Urban Meyer there. So – um, that, that's been football since we've been gone. It's a lot. Um, the uh-huh. other thing that's been gone that happens since we've been gone, we touched on recruiting has really picked up. CU is going to have a full class plus a little extra this year. Um, and Top they 25? are aiming. Well, we're I think we're 26th right now. Whoa. Um, let me take a live look actually. Um, but we're fourth in the Pac-12. Going to be close, inching up to third. We uh, CU is 29th. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And that doesn't include Antonio Alfano. That does not include Antonio Alfano or Nigel Bethel. Um, yes. Nigel Bethel is the safety from Miami who's yes. transferred. Yes. Thanks for the context, uh, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> moving on to basketball. Moving on to basketball. Uh, since we've been gone, so, so, CU has so, not lost. CU is 4-0 on the season. They have beat uh, Arizona State in China, we talked about. Mm-hmm. with, And then they beat... With Sabatino Chen, we talked about. Yeah, I love that guy. Um, great. Then they beat – who did they beat? Oh, uh, San so Diego. San Diego. San Diego. Good, but I don't want to talk about San Diego. Then they beat 
UC Riverside. UC Irvine. <laughs> Irvine, who went 31-4 and four last year. It was yes, a good win. beat Kansas State in the tournament. Russell Turner is a great coach. Max Hazard's now in Arizona. Yes, yeah. great win. Yeah, good so you won because they had flawless defense. And then they just beat Wyoming. In uh, Las Vegas in the in most Las disgusting Vegas. game of all time. Yeah, it was 8-5 to five after 15 minutes. <laughs> it was 15-15 at halftime. Well, Not great. 8-5 no, to five is much worse. <laughs> there was a point in the game where CU was on pace to win like 24 to 12. Um, as I saw on Reddit, I believe CU was one of the only teams that scored less than their rank at halftime. They scored oh. less points than that they were ranked. CU yeah. was ranked 23rd at the time of that game, and they scored 15 points at halftime. So I was going to ask you what your thoughts were watching CU score 15 points at halftime against Wyoming, but you didn't watch the game live. so uh, No, I did not, thankfully. So I watched the game knowing that CU would roll to like a 17-point win or whatever. Mm-hmm. They won. It yeah. was 15. It was 15-point win. 56 to 41. Mm-hmm. So I knew CU was going to win, and I knew they were going to put up 41 in the second half. So I was just watching the first half, just like, oh my god, this is horrific, but in a in a funny way. And I was also CU was getting a lot of open shots, and they were just missing. They were missing open threes. They were missing free throws. They're missing open layups. And I think with the free throws thing, I wonder if it's like a depth issue because sometimes when you're playing in a stadium you've never played in, it's hard to shoot, and then you get adjusted. Uh, well, and also that stadium was dead, so there was no energy for either team. I see you right now looking at uh, Ken Palm stats is 318th in the country in two-point shooting percentage and 319th in the country in free throw percentage. <laughs> yeah, so that's not great. I think that will balance out um, as they're the year goes on. They've also- However, they're also 24th in the country in three-point percentage, so – there's your offense. Yeah, well, they've played in Shanghai and Las Vegas, and they're going to play Clemson at Las Vegas by the time we've recorded. Yes, yeah, so, so Clemson, is the next, <clears throat> Clemson is the next opponent. They are about Arizona State level of quality, according to Ken no, Palm. They're as well. worse. Oh, Ken okay. Palm has them as 69th in the country. Nice. And think, Arizona State I, is 66th. I think Arizona State's a lot better than that, but. I that's agree. My opinion. But they also started slow because of the suspensions to Romello White and. Um, Oh, God, who's the other big guy? Tayshaun Cherry. Tayshaun Cherry. Also, um, that they're adjusting to – they lost Lou Gwen Stort and Zylon Cheatham, who were basically the entire Arizona State identity last year. So they just have to find something new this year. And they yeah. will because they're yeah. good. Yeah. Um, Clemson's fine. They have Tevin Mack, who's been on like eight different teams at this point. Um, he is their best scorer. Um, and they also have some pretty good they're, – they're a big team, basically. They – well, have some height. Um, and they have a player named Trey Jamison who was in between Clemson and Colorado. So he was in between the CUs um, coming out of high school. Chose Clemson. Um, he is good inside. He's not good offensively, but he's big and he knows how to use his body. Um, okay. Let's so see. What, there's, let's do it at the buzzer before the buzzer for basketball. Yeah, well, yeah, there's no reason to talk about the, the Clemson game because it's going to happen by the time we record. Mm-hmm. So let's just hope that they've won. Uh, CU is currently continue. CU ended a four and a half point favorite. Um, that's it. That, that's exactly what I said, um, and that's about 
consistent with what Ken Palm and other stat models are, are projecting a win at. Um, so it should be a pretty close game, but um, hopefully CU comes out because that'd be a nice to just like win. CU so, hasn't had a double digit. They've only won by double digits this year. So yep. um, at the buzzer before the buzzer, you go first this time. Uh, or at the buzzer after the, the buzzer, buzzer, excuse me. Before the buzzer, big man passing. Nice. Good one. So, thank you. Um, so I was, I'm watching the, the Wyoming game right now. And in the first half of that 15-point half against Wyoming. Tyler Bay. Tyler Bay with a backwards pocket pass mm-hmm. to Evan Batty inside through traffic. Mm-hmm. I was less impressed by this pass than the other two I'll talk about. Because number 10 on Wyoming, the big stiff... Should have stolen it, yeah. Yeah, he should have stolen it. That was terrible defense. <laughs> um, he like didn't know where his hands were. Um, but the other one, Evan Batty was posted up on the right lower block, and then he swung a pass backwards to, I think, Dalen Koontz in the corner of, like, behind him. Mm-hmm. And wide open three, and just a sling pass from a six-foot-eight, 260-pound guy posting up. Uh, two hundred eighty pound guy probably posted. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I mean, yeah. And then Schwartz had a really nice play where he did the, the the pump fake and go, and then the quick little shuffle pass with his right hand to Tyler Bay. To Tyler Bay for a dunk. dunk. Yes. And yeah. I love when you have driving players, and then there's someone in the dunker spot, and you can just give him the little feed, like create a two on one, and then give him the go. Yep. Easy way to get a fouler bucket every time. I mean, yeah. we knew that Evan Batty had that in him. I don't think we knew that Tyler Bay, because he hasn't really shown that he can he can pass consistently. Um, so if that is something he can add, then that is yeah. – boy, that makes this offense scary. Um, also, I'm pulling up Tyler Bay's stats right now. So wait a second before you – so Tyler Bay right now, currently I think fifth in Ken Palm's player of the year standings. Is that really so? Yeah. Because he has been fucking phenomenal defensively. Mm-hmm. And like offensively, I'm pulling up his shooting percentage. It's not been great, but this is him. Like he's not even at his best yet. And he's getting some buzz. He's only shooting 48% on two pointers, which he's a career 55% shooter. Yeah, I think that'll pop up, and he's hit some threes this year that I don't expect him to keep trying to take. Um, and as yeah. as he moves closer, I think that the two point his two point percentage is going to get a little bit better. Yeah, he's also a forty four percent field goal percentage, which is not great at all. No, um, his free throws are solid though, so you know, it, I mean, his stroke is still there. Yeah, no, he can shoot. That's not where he's making his big impact, though. It's not on the offensive side of the ball. Also, it three is. turnovers a game. Yeah, he is he's yeah. making his impact on the defensive side of the ball. He is unbelievable right now at defense. He is yeah, okay, according to Ken Palm, he's third in defensive rebounding percentage in the country. He's eighth in steal percentage in the country. He's in the top two fifty for block percentage, which is ridiculous. Um and he's also just a solid man to man defender who can guard multiple spots. He's exactly where we wanted him to be on the defensive side this yeah, year. He's been phenomenal. Um, he had six steals against uh, UC Irvine, another two against uh, Wyoming. And, uh, yeah, just absolutely amazing. And CU, they have, uh, what, the ninth-ranked defense in the country? Mm-hmm. The tenth? They have the fifth-best defense according to defensive rating, the ninth-best according to Ken Palm. 
And it's because they have Ken is always amazing playing point guard defensively. Yeah. Tyler Bay is destroying everything. And then everybody else is in sync perfectly. Deshaun Schwartz has been fantastic defensively. Rotations are great this year. Yes. The rotations are great. Thank you. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. so hyped. Just to give you a little more context on these numbers. Um, yeah, what's booing right booing them right now is they are third in the country in two point percentage defense. So they are only allowing thirty six percent of two pointers against them to be made, which is ridiculous. Which is ridiculous, yeah. Um, they are actually two hundred fifty sixth in three point percentage defense at thirty six percent. So they people are making the twos as much as they're making the threes against Colorado, um, which is good and bad news. Um, and a bit of bad luck. Also, um, they are last in the country or bottom five in the country in free throw percentage um, with 77% of free throws against them being made. I think that evens out as the year goes on. Um, they also, and this is, you know, Tad Boyle defensive rebounding. They are fourth in the country in, in offensive rebounding percentage allowed. They only allow uh, about 18% of possessions to get an offensive rebound, which is crazy low given that C was average on the other end at 30%. Um, and they also have a really high turnover percentage. They, they have a 20, they're forcing a 26% turnover percentage on the other team. So right now we are seeing tap oils vision come to life. Yeah. I think that the, the, the numbers, especially the turnover luck will regress a bit, but yep. This is a team, like, again, like, they've been coached so well defensively, and they've been playing with each other for two or three years that this is really where we see continuity play early in the season, specifically on defense, when the rotations are just so key. And And I don't know. On the other side, they're also even out, too, I think, with the three-point free throw percentages. Um, I don't think those will stay that, that high for that long either. Oh, it's exciting. Yeah. It's so exciting. I, yeah. I, I was going to say like, uh, that I think typically like I follow the NBA more than college basketball, but it's like, there's a trend that the teams with the more continuity, they are the ones who are the better defensive ones early in the season. And yeah. they, and like just continuity and defense just as is those will win a lot of games. So as we're seeing right now, CU is not shooting well at all. They actually have one of the worst offensive ratings in the country right now, which is points per possession. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're still bowling over people, and they're going to – they would win like at least 20 games just like this without their offense improving. Yeah, At least 20 games. So, well, right now, Campom hasn't projected to win 23 games. Um, I think it will be more, but... Yeah, and well, that's... And that's with, you know, they do the same thing that other models do where they have cumulative losses, but currently they're only slated to lose four or five games um, officially. And just to buoy your point even more, back it up with stats, um, CU is number one in the country in minutes continuity, um, which is not just minutes returning like players returning what that means is um 84 percent of starter minutes are played by the same starters so far this year does that make sense like yeah but people aren't even adapting to new roles on the team 84 percent of people players on this team were in the same roles last year which just lets you gel so quick Mm -hmm. (sighs) okay sorry that was a while what's your app before the buzzer uh, my good thing, as always, I still <laughs> am gunning for my man. It's Lucas Seward again. 
when we were on the CU's on the ropes against San Diego and UC Irvine. They need a bucket. They need something to keep them ahead, even just barely. Lucas Seward rises to the occasion again and just becomes the long-range assassin. We know he is. Um, scores, I don't know, seven points in about two minutes and um, basically allows some breathing room while the starters rest, which is such a cru- – God, that's a crucial part of any strong depth team. So see you. Uh, maintained or kept or added to their lead while the starters got to rest and then they come in and finish the game off. And that's all because Lucas Seward and Maddox Daniels to another extent as well can just give CU some pretty easy minutes and some pretty easy buckets where no one else can. I, and he has been surprisingly solid on defense this year. He's everything I wanted him to be. He's everything you want your fourth big to be. Love the guy. Yeah, this is my this is my after the buzzer because this means I have to apologize. <laughs> Um, I was I, right. I was right. Yes, you were right about Lucas Seward. <laughs> I thought, well, this could be another hot streak. We've seen his hot streaks before, and they're fantastic. But he looks different. He looks more confident. And I didn't think he would be this player. I thought he would be more of the same, which is inconsistent and disappears for like a month at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could still see that. I hope not. But I'm really happy that I'm wrong about this because – Dallas Walton is kind of stiff right now. He's coming back from an ACL tear. Mm -hmm. He hasn't played in a year, so he's not ready yet. And then, yeah, CU has been needing him badly. And that's that's the nice thing about the depth is Lucas Seward steps in when Walton's there, and then Walton shakes off the rust. Maybe Lucas Seward cools off a bit. That's fine if he does. He still has the defense to fall back on this series, and he has Dallas Walton in his wings. Just he's doing exactly what we need him to do, which is what's great about a senior. Love the guy. Yeah, and like again, this depth, fantastic, like just so great to have forward depth, guard depth. I mean, Koontz isn't really ready to be McKinley Wright's backup, but. That's the only mm-hmm. issue. That's literally the only issue with depth within this team. Like they're they're nine ten deep. Well, they're nine deep right now, but they're they will be more once Walton is ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, give me your after the buzzer. What's bad? That wasn't after the buzzer. Oh, that's right. I have to apologize. Uh, mm-hmm. um, well, my after the buzzer is going to be um, honestly the amount of turnovers or really the, the experiment that is Dalen Coons at point guard. Um, I, I was always a little more reserved on, on Coons than you were, Sam. Um, uh, yeah, I have words about Dalen Coons. Go ahead. I, he is right now, basically McKinley's backup when McKinley's out. Um, it's, it's it back. It boomerangs in between him and Shane Gatling. And I don't know. He's always a little too careless for the ball for me. He never seems to value it as I guess I think he should. He is obviously an explosive athlete and he's great on offense, but as a lead guard, I just don't think I, I'm not comfortable when he has the ball in his hand. <laughs> yeah, I have this. I, I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> I projected uh, like a mini breakout for Dalen Coons. I thought next year would be his main breakout and it still might be, but uh, I was expecting better from him. I don't think he's a natural point guard. I don't think that's ever been his destiny. Because, mm-hmm. um, again, that's going to be McKinley Wright this year next, and then Keyshawn Bartholomew, the redshirt freshman, yep. will be taking over at point guard. Yep. And so Koontz isn't the point guard of the future. 
he's going to play two guard and he's really good for two guard. I think he still has a lot of potential there, but he's not a natural ball handler, not really a, any sort of playmaker except immediately off the drive. If someone gets wide open, mm-hmm. um, I like him as a slasher and as like a defensive playmaker. So I also want him to stop taking mid range shots, which I said before. The season. <laughs> He loves doing that in transition. He loves to pull up mid-range J off the dribble. Which is weird because, like, Tad was telling him to, like, shoot more. Mm-hmm. But I think he wants threes, not well, pull yeah. up shots. Like, like, if you're a slasher and you're known for attacking the rim, then attack the rim. Well, yeah, what Tad Boyle was saying is basically Daniel Coons is a natural driver that he wants to make more comfortable shooting threes, and Maddox Daniels a natural three-point shooter they want to make more comfortable driving. Yeah, but the uh, irony has been Coons is like, oh, okay, I'll just pull up and shoot. <laughs> and that's like literally the opposite of what we're wanting. Yeah, to give you some context uh, of all the players on the team, Coons has the lowest offensive rating right now at 55. Uh, yeah, that is... <laughs> Horrible. That's yeah. Xavier Talton level. Well, it's so he's fifty five. No, that's Thomas Akizili level. <laughs> Dallas Walton is at sixty one, and then you take a big jump to the next lowest, which is Shane Gatling at eighty three. So, you um, like Parquet, but I guess he's not really playing very much. No, he doesn't count. Yeah, he he's he's played less than twelve percent of possessions. So, I, I I'm not counting him. But yeah, he for Coons for how much he's playing, I still think he's explosive, and I love his activity on defense and offense, but. Also, without looking, who's the highest offensive rating? I would guess Seward, right? Nope, Maddox Daniels. What an ad. He's he been a great addition. 62% three-point shooting. Schwartz is above 50. Also, I'm going to go and use a second before the buzzer because I've been watching more basketball than football because I fucking love basketball so much. It makes me want to cry. Okay. Um, Deshaun Schwartz has taken the leap that we thought he would. Yep, and we and we talked. I mean, everyone talked about it for the year. He has to be the third well, guy. Well, everyone's right? smart. <laughs> <laughs> he is. God, he is just so unbelievably smooth. And he's so cool and confident, and I love him. I don't know. I the one thing I said, and I, I tweeted this during a game, but the one thing I wanted him to do next is do the pump fake off the three and take two drives, get to the rack every time. Like what mm-hmm. you said, he's he's a great natural passer. If he does that pump fake and then you have Tyler Bay in that little short corner on the baseline, no defense is going to be able to stop that two-on-one. Yeah. That's, that's, he's a confident driver. He's a great crafty finisher around the basket, and Tyler Bay obviously can clean up any mess. So he I also, don't, oh man, He's been missing be a lot of layups, which won't happen in the future. Yeah, he has been... It's just a godsend on offense. Yeah, and like again, this is what we say when this is going to be a uh, like Schwartz making having twelve points a game. That just makes everything on offense so much easier for everybody. Mm-hmm. Having that third threat, that third threat, mm-hmm. um, having a consistent three point shooter who won't hesitate, he'll just go, and he's six foot seven and like a legit six foot and seven. And he can post people up, and he can drive, and he can slash, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I like his post-up as much. I thought that his he's made a couple post-ups that were... Uh, I love all post-ups, period. I love yeah. when McKinley Wright posts up. I think he's... Yeah, well, this is where we defer, because <laughs> I think Ennis Cantor is a worthless basketball player. How could you say that? How could you possibly say that? 
Also, my blazer signed Carmelo Anthony, and I'm going to cry because this is... Talk about post-up. Man. Well, anyways... Uh, I just want to talk about Anthony Simons. Um, before we go, we would be remiss Simons. if we, if we didn't son. talk about um, the Utah CU football game. Like we mentioned, it's for bowl eligibility. Uh, it's prime time. It's 5.30 on ABC. Aren't you um, a Utah fan? I, I mean, I like Utah. You should like Utah, too. You're a jazz fan, too. Uh, I was a bigger jazz fan. I am no longer a big jazz fan. Now okay, that, now of, that, like every other Denver native, now the Nuggets are good, I like them. Okay, instead of talking about uh, the Utah Utes, what do you think? Do you think Mike Conley is just in a slump, or do you think he's washed? I think he's missing a half step, but I still think he'll figure it out. Yeah, I just think he's an old man. I also he's think he's, he's um, adapting was to not bait. being the, the big dog. Hey, that was bait. Wait, okay, to what? <laughs> Did not talk about college football and severe into the NBA, and you took the bait. And I don't actually want That's to our about. brand. Um, oh, our brand is to talk about draft busts. Yeah, it is. Man, Johnny Flynn. I thought he was going to be so good. Uh, drafted sixth overall, the pick before Steph Curry. So, you know, um, Utah CU football. I was about to go on a rant about the Minnesota Timberwolves whiffing on first round picks four years in a row. CU is 28 and a half point underdogs going into Utah, which seems a little much to me, but what do I know? Um, they Utah has one loss in the year in their top six, I think, right now, top seven. Um, CU obviously is um, not that. Um, if CU wins, that means that USC would take over the division, which means Clay Helton keeps his job, which means uh, the rest of the Pac-12 wins. Um, and also, it is technically a Pac-12 after dark game. What does all this mean? I don't think it means anything. I think C- Utah is just going to wipe the floor with CU, but um, I don't think that's an indictment on CU in, in any way. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you really think about it, I don't know how the Minnesota Timberwolves picked Wesley Johnson over to Marcus okay. Cousins. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. Yep. Here's where we are. So, <laughs> see, Utah has Tyler Huntley playing well at quarterback. Um, Zach Moss is still a ridiculous beast at running back. Their offensive and defensive lines are top in the country, not just in the conference. Um, and they have a ball hawking secondary. All of this adds up to pain for almost every team in the country, including CU. So. Um, unless Steven Montez has the game of his life in the snow and in the dark, um, and unless somehow CU's defensive line keeps their ridiculous um, play going and dominates up front, I don't Ooh. think Ooh. I don't can think you, there's any chance. Can you tell us what the offensive line will look like in a year from now? Um, for CU? Yeah. Yeah, I would say left tackle Frank Phillip, um, left guard. No, 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 sorry, sorry. I thought you said defensive line. Did you know that the Wolves drafted Corey Brewer seventh overall? That is crazy. Well, okay, sorry. from Europe and Colorado, this has been at the buzzer. Um, we'll be back hopefully soon to talk um, about the – do a little post-mortem of the football year or talk about the bowl game that he's going to make um, and then dive deeper into basketball. Yeah, I'll, you know, that sounds like a plan. 